Amos Devereaux. Amos Melancholy. And hey to all our listeners. Welcome back to Two Saved Queens. We got new audio. We give a new looks that you can't really see. And we're just ready to serve politics, news, more from the safety of our own home. (laughs) (laughs) How are you holding up, girl? I'm doing good, girl. I'm just a little tired of seeing all these obituaries on Facebook. But I'll be all right, though. You know, this friend's grandma, this friend's uncle. It's just a lot, honestly. It just mm. it really is a lot. Oh man, yeah, I can't. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing. Um, you know, thankfully, I feel pretty blessed that like I hasn't been hitting too close to home. But it feels like two and three, you know, people away is really where it's like you know you're hearing those stories of people losing people. I just heard someone that I work with, her, um, a friend of hers, lost their dad. Like. Yeah, she's she's affecting. She's um she's taking some of the girls out. She she really is, especially you know here in Detroit and in New York City. I'm just seeing so many stories, but between both of those two cities in New Orleans, New Orleans too, honestly, just seeing a lot of death, and it's just you know, it's a lot to process. It's a form you know it's a form of trauma processing all this this mass illness and death at one time. So oh my. What is it? Are you are you getting out? Like, are you? So I'm overdue for a shopping trip. I um, because like, well, I'm curious. Like, what it's like out in the world? Um, because I uh, spent all last week really going through some DoorDash and Postmates because I just got real lazy. Um, so I'm right. overdue for a good shopping trip. Um, but <laughs> have you been out and about, or have you had to go? Oh out yeah, and... those shopping trips are wearing my ass out. You know, I definitely <laughs> I go. I don't, I don't, I don't, or I, we don't get that much delivery. You know, I'm quarantining with some family and we really most, more, more so use groceries and cook our own meals. And so I go out about once a week. I, I alternate between Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and uh, both of them, especially Whole Foods is a beast. Uh, it's just, it's not that there's too many people. It's just, you know, the social distancing. It's, it's hard to get the girls to really fall in line. And even yesterday, like I was in line now in Michigan, you have to wear a mask mm. to go into a public space now. So they even turned away like this, you know, this kind of like bi- biker looking dude who didn't have his mask on yesterday. But then there was a guy behind me who was like a hotel looking guy, you know, and in um, thick, thick dreads. Um, he had on a bandana around his neck and he put it on his face just to get in the store. And once he got in the store, he took that shit off. <laughs> And trifling. I, you know, trifling. Girl, trifling. And he was standing behind me in line. Everybody else had their mask on, but he just had to go and, you know, he's sticking it to the man, I guess. I don't know what the hell he was doing, but and, I wasn't for it, girl. I was I was pissed. And he was the main one walking around, always getting in everybody's space, getting in my space. So What? So then yeah. he was not only, you not only took off the mask, but then you got into people's space? Exactly. Exactly. And so... Yeah, girl, I was I was pissed. I uh, mean, you should have you should have ratted him out. You should gone right up to security. Be like, I thought me. about, but you know, it's hard to rat to the popo, you know, because oh, I mean, security I, guards. But I I wanted to. It was just that uh, I couldn't find I the security that. guard. I'm I'm lying. <laughs> I, I couldn't. Find, I was looking for security guard. I couldn't find him. I was looking for him. I'm not gonna lie. I am I am that girl to rat a girl out sometimes. I was like. Mm. And also, I'm like, security's not the po-po full. Like, well, well that Whole Foods, you, you know, oh, we're in are Detroit. They? We're in Detroit, so they, oh, have, they have guns. They're armed, though. Well, They're... so the thing I'll also say, and that's the thing I hate about our grocery stores here, is like, our, our grocery store doesn't have a police. It's literally regular security, and he got a gun. And I'm like, this is in California. Like, why do you need oh. a gun? And I'm well, like, you know, well, Whole Foods is, I mean, in some case, they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a day, girl. So, so wait, so that's a police officer? So, so it's not a police officer. It's just they're like armed guards. I mean, okay. they're not police officers, but, but, um, but police officers frequently come to that Whole Foods too. And that part, mm. you know, it's in the city and she's um she makes she's she makes a coin that whole food so i understand why oh, they have armed okay. guards and she, and she gets a little route you know they have a lot of homeless people who come and she gets a oh. little a little rowdy sometimes so is they she probably get the mind. is she probably like the main whole foods that people for the to? city yeah for in the okay. city there's many more in the suburbs but for the city she's the main one okay and uh, you know even a fight popped off in that whole foods one time too over like <laughs> 
uh, a girl was in there with one boyfriend and her other boyfriend saw them. And it was, ah! it was that popped off in that Whole Foods. That Whole Foods is popping. They have DJs in there sometimes. You know, not during quarantine. But in better times. In, in better, better times. times. That's yeah. the place to go. That's the you know, drop Whole it for Foods a little bit. In Detroit. It sure yeah. is. Get your organic, um, or you get your oat milk, all your organic fruit and vegetables, and drop it for a little bit. And drop it for, yeah. That's what she did. Oh, man. Uh, well, I think let's get into, like, good news, what we're going to call good news, bad news. Um, basically, this is our chance to discuss news, politics, something that we just saw and heard about and just need to kind of get off our chest. Uh, I think you had something that you had mentioned to me, girl, that you recently saw. Uh, about some changes to the White House. Yeah, uh, so I was really surprised at this. So, I, you know, my a couple of my family members were tied to the Obama administration, and they got this email from someone in the current Trump White House named Nicole Frazier, and I found out she's like the new Omarosa. She's like the new, the new it black girl for the Trump administration, and um, and they they got an invitation to be on a call about coronavirus in urban communities in the black community mm, and it was interesting. interesting because they literally took the Obama listserv <laughs> they literally <laughs> took the Obama listserv and just used it I don't even, I didn't even know they I mean, would have had access to it I mean they and, did say the Obama, they did say they left them stuff but I get it though you just leaving them like a whole list of like black yeah. people <laughs> To read a whole outreach list. And to do the whole outreach list, yeah. So it was really interesting. I'm like, dang, don't y'all got your own people? Where you, where are your people at? You know, you Amarosa didn't have those that kind of list. Yeah, yeah she, she didn't, didn't have, have that. that kind of list to leave a homegirl, Nicole Frazier. So. And for those of you who don't know, Amarosa was a former, I guess, black people whisperer, you would call. I mean, for, she had a more official title. For Miss Donald J. Trump, for Miss DJT. Yeah. We usually call her DJT, Miss DJT. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah. So, you know, Obama was the former black people whisperer. And now this Nicole Frazier is the Omarosa, new black. Omarosa, not, not Obama. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Omarosa. Omarosa was a, is a new black people, or was an old black people whisperer for the Trump administration. And now, I guess Miss Nicole Frazier is the new the new one. But she got to get her own list, girl. Go get your own list. Um, now, what does this Nicole give you? Like, what kind of... Well, you what know, kind of she's a little, she's she? definitely a little bit more perfect. She's not like out there like a Kellyanne or anything. She's not that type of girl. She's not that type of loud, you but know. But you're also working for the Trump administration. I mean. Yeah, but you know, that's an interesting question because it's like, okay, don't we, you know, of course, I mean, some people say, okay, those people are sellouts. They're terrible. In many cases, they are. Trash. But don't, Sorry. They, they are trash in most cases. But don't we need a couple girls working in there to force some representation? Otherwise, our issues, you know, if Miss Ben Carson wasn't in there, would there be any urban plan in the Trump administration? Would there be, if, if Miss Nicole Frazier wasn't in there, would there be any kind of, you know, black outreach or any kind of urban renewal kind of thing? I don't know. That's a good question. Right? I mean, I, I I think it's a bigger topic and one that I think we should get into at some point. But I think, I think it's so. also a part of, like, it's about the results, right? Like, if you're there and, like, things aren't either n- not getting as bad as they could be or they're getting somewhat better, all right, I'll give it to you. But if you're in there and things are just the same, it's like, well, the white person might have done that same thing. Like they might just left us alone. So I think it depends on what because like I I haven't you know, and that's the thing I think for us to look at for that um, when we talk about this. Like I'm curious what things have changed or not changed, and in what ways with Ben Carson in that role. So yeah, yeah, we know Miss Ben Carson. She's she's not what she used to be, but. Yeah, um, I, know, I know that one hurt you. That hurt. hurt she me. did because yeah. you know that girl. That hurt you know, you she, deep. She, she's from Detroit, so or she yeah. grew up in Detroit. That was hard. Have you have you ever met her? No, no. But you know, gifted hands was like required reading for all black kids mm. from Detroit from back in the day. Maybe in maybe you know in your and for those too. and for those who don't know, I yeah, cause I actually it wasn't required reading. Well, was this high school or? Uh, gifted hands was like middle school reading. Oh, really? yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it's also like we had, it was more like in Philly, it's like, you know, so I'm originally from Philly. Um, so we're reading about like Mary Bethune and like certain like, um, and uh, I'm blanking her name right now, Phyllis. Um, she's like a black poet. So we, we're kind of reading more about like black Philly people and also of like that history. Oh, so maybe Phyllis, that's also um, Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going to look her up right now. Yeah. Right. 
from she's from like the 1600s or something way way back yeah right? yeah yeah I mean, phyllis, wheatley. phyllis wheatley phyllis wheatley yeah yeah we're about more recent people too but i just remember that being really stuck in my head but um so that was a middle school book or that you all would read yeah that was like a middle school book and it might have even it came out in the 90s sometime mm. so but uh, um and i think you wanted to you want to talk about some good news bad news too you had a yeah, I mean, my uh, <laughs> my good news, bad news is related to like the protesters. Um, you know, we've only we've been I don't know has it been like a maybe a month and a half um, or so that we've been in yeah of quarantine. quarantine yeah about six weeks it's been so, about six weeks and the girls are already over it they can't do it. especially the white girls they are just can't stand it they need to get their hair done they need to go to the grocery well they can go to the grocery but they need to like be able to go shoot their guns they, they just need to like get out <laughs> um so obviously i think you know i'm saying white people because those were the majority of the people who were protesting um, yeah, they who were. were protesting with guns at state capitals. Surprisingly, the police did not kill any of them. They, it's oh, that's crazy. A, what a surprise! No one got, no one got arrested, or even really arrested. No, many, they're yeah, blocking no traffic, driving around, walking around the state capitol with guns. In Michigan, they blocked the ambulance from getting well, getting to huh. the hospital. They were blocking that's ambulances. So oh, yeah, look but at that. you know, if you know, black people block a freeway for you know talking about our know, lives, about our lives. You know. it's like oh whoa whoa that's too much so i just thought it was just really interesting and you know the ways in which and of course you know along with the confederate flag there's plenty you know not always but there's a lot of american flags oh, plenty of that. and just a lot of signs about yeah. freedom and the amendment rights and it's our right to protest and i just think it's so interesting that they compared it to yeah, slavery, you know, course, and, and you know, Rosa Parks. Always. You know, we're doing Rosa Parks in Rosa where, Parks. Like, they were doing right. they were doing Rosa Parks but analogies. For some reason, that just doesn't connect in their heads. That oh, but if someone's gonna kneel at a football game, or if someone's gonna march for their very lives, oh, that's too much. Oh no, you're not protesting the right way. So maybe the only real way that's okay to protest in our country is if you're white. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Is if you're white, um, That's because for some reason, um, Black Lives Matter and Colin Kaepernick that they weren't protesting the right way, um, and I will, and yeah. I will say I think I I don't think I sit on the pod, but I was like, oh that that thing is definitely not going to happen, Miss California, and she definitely did. The girls were protesting in um, uh, San Diego and Huntington Beach, which is about like an hour or forty five minutes to an hour south of L A. and even in Miss L A. County, um, there were plenty of protests. Uh-huh. But you know, Miss Miss Orange County and Miss San Diego, she, those used to be red counties. Those, those and, were and, Republican counties. And if we're going to be honest, before... as someone like as you know, when you live out here, you kind of know Miss OC is more not. She's still got that to her. She's more conservative environment, yeah. and that goes straight down to San Diego. Um, and if you ever go to them, you see that as well. Um, but I think for sure, I mean, San Diego is a lot of military yeah, people. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think it's also interesting where, kind of off the back of that, where we're surprisingly seeing some spike in cases, especially in like Michigan. Girl, is there something I read about that? Yeah, I read, I, I, I read that, or I saw that one. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the Michigan t- protesters t- tested positive, oh. but even more so in North Carolina. In Miss North Carolina, twenty of the protesters have come up positive yeah. for Miss Corona. And w- including the organizer of the North Carolina protest. Look at yeah. that. So this Look might be. So we're saying Look at this God. is technically bad news. But maybe it's good news. Because, you know, if you're going to take your ass maybe out there and go protest um, when you're supposed to be sitting at home under quarantine, maybe, you know, maybe it's not your time. Maybe it's you not know. meant for you. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe Mother Nature is doing her She's doing her that good work, work. You know, they wanted, they wanted freedom, though. They wanted freedom. You know, yeah. So, so you got the got freedom to freedom. catch a disease that you um think isn't yeah. real or isn't it's a hoax, which <laughs> is a hoax, right? That's what the girls. Right. That's what the girls are saying. That they which leads to um our last kind of topic of good news, bad news about um Miss Diamond and Silk. Um, let me make sure I got their full names. We are talking about um. Oh, where are where is their full? I need to you know call them by their true name, Miss Lynette Hardaway and Miss Rochelle Richardson, aka Miss Diamond and Miss Silk, who last time we had talked about the fact that they had gotten banned on Twitter. So it was about, and I put it in our show, it was about them saying that it was um, a hoax, or or just saying, well, they were. Ba- 
or just general yeah, misinformation. Yeah, they were basically saying that <laughs> somehow they came to the conclusion that quarantine was not the way to avoid it, and actually, you should just get out there, and that's the best way to deal with this virus. Um, so off the back of that, shortly after, they have been pulled from Fox News and no longer going to be commentating um, with Miss Fox. Yeah, oh, that's how a sad. sad. What a tragedy. Um, you know, Miss Fox News always plays those black girls who, you know, they played uh, Miss Stacey Dash. They played Diamond. They're quick to get rid of them. I mean, but girls, to be fair, they had know? a good run. They It looks like they came on like around 2018 or so. So, I mean, you know, a good couple of years of like cable news coin. Like, you know, I've been getting that, you know, I don't know that it's always monthly or how, you know, the pundit fees work or the pundit conversation works. But I bet they got some good change, you know. So they had a good run. They still be to sell their merch. You know, there's an election coming out. You know, so. I guess, right. But I guess selling out has its temporary yeah. benefits. You know, it is, it's a temporary yeah. situation. It's a temporary thing, selling out. You know, it doesn't last forever. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, so, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, look at Miss Amorosa. Look where she's at. Yeah, so. where, where is she? Did you ever read? Well, first, I have to go. What I want, I wonder where she is, um, how she's doing during these quarantine times. <laughs> Here, and um, did she had that book that came out right? Was it a book that she was doing all that press for? Or did? Oh, I believe so. I'm wondering how that did. I'm wondering how she's because I felt like she was doing all know? that press and talking about how she had the recordings and maybe they hit her with a real good restraining order or something or some or some yeah, gag order. She probably had. She probably she just a gag order. She like probably that. signed a non. And I felt like oh she's gonna she's gonna blow up his spot. Um, now, as we know, I don't think it had she even gotten real into the weeds about what DJT was doing, it really would have affected anything because the girls love him so much that they will drink bleach for him. They will go out and get a virus for him. They will die for him. So, yeah, they're about that life. They for really real. are. They're really about that life. Oh. It's interesting with Amarosa, though, because that's the one black person where I think he actually really had her back for a while. I mean, he was putting her on all his, all his shows and making sure she had jobs here and there. And that, that was kind of an interesting um, turn of events when she turned on him. I thought that was, that was fascinating to watch. Well, you know, but, you know, maybe her conscience got, her conscience got the best of her. I don't know about that. <laughs> you think her conscience got the best of her? Oh, she got fired. Yes, she that's fired. what happened. I think she got too big for her britches, and I think she let that power go to her head. Um, and but Mr. you know, Madison, they did give her a job. They gave General her got it together. But you know what? I think it was uh, not Mattis. It was, it was not, um, no. the chief oh, of staff. No, it wasn't one. Mattis. Yeah, the chief of staff. Let me see. Uh, the former chief of staff, and now he's on the outside well, too. The guy, he's yeah. a general also. But it's interesting because. They offered her a job on the campaign, a well-paid job, Miss Amorosa, and she, I guess that wasn't good enough for her because remember she had her oh, wedding Kelly, and she John, brought her John Kelly, yeah. General Kelly, yeah, she brought her friends into the White House for her. Wait, receptions. you're saying she was? You're probably, saying they offered her a campaign job? From but the Trump I mean, camp, like what's Trump that timeline? Campaign. Like when? Immediately after they. Oh, her so they still want her around. They still wanted her around. They just didn't want her in the oh. but they wanted her around. Yeah. And she, but that you wasn't don't want to go, you don't want to go back her. to being in, like, some tents and, you know, having to go stomp for him. After, after, you, after you've been in the White House, and... after you've been on the, ooh, walking on that carpeted floor, I don't think. I think that'd be hard for anyone to go back to. Um, yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe it was, e- it was all ego. But, maybe. but the thing I, when I, I, I could know. stomach reading about Trump more back in the day, the thing I think was interesting that profiles that people always talk about is the thing he values most is loyalty and i think early on especially because she was back with him when he was just well i guess a failed in quotes real estate or just you know a celebrity and then stood by her him through that whole thing i think he did really value that i think that's why he had a special place um you know i think his new uh, what's her name hope miss hope you know she's another long timer oh she's coming back yeah, she's coming back yeah. to the White House. She's, they let her go, and she's coming oh, back. Oh, why did they have to let her go, too? So, oh, Lord, they just... She she lied. I think she might have... I think she might have allegedly lied to the FBI oh, or something. Oh, okay. But know. it wasn't like... But she, it was but something she technically a little didn't betray shady. him, right? Right. She didn't so, betray so him, she, She's not. No. Yeah, she'll... She's going to so be she's, good. So she's He'll, good, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, she's going to um, But today, despite all this um, Trump talk, we're actually... Um, we also been talking a lot about black people, and actually what 
is our main, you know, topic, the word that we're going to try and talk about today is anti-blackness. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Something many of us are familiar with. Yeah. But, but you know, we're really talking about anti-blackness globally, though, too, which is a, a huge issue. And, you know, we think of anti-blackness, we typically think of, you know, here in America, but anti-blackness is something that America has exported, mm. really, in many ways. And Europe. Yeah, you the, original. The, the, origi- the, the original. The original. The original. <laughs> the, the, the originator. The originator. <laughs> uh, from which all racism descends. You know, and there's a lot of elements to anti-blackness, and obviously, like, the diaspora is different in many ways, and there's a piece to it about colorism, but I think the main ways in which, you know, we're going to be focusing on capital B black, um, you know, experiences abroad, we're going to be thinking about that in relation to Miss China. Um, And we're also going to think about how that kind of relates to how, you know, some of the experiences that a lot of Asian people and Asian Americans are feeling right now with their own own prejudice that they're being, um, you know, having to deal with. So where do you kind of want to go with this, girl? Where do we want to start? Like, this is a meaty one. Well, it was interesting because I know um, I know we're going to definitely get into China and some other places. But uh, one thing I wanted to kind of look at was Brazil because they have a they have a president very similar to ours, kind of a right wing populist. Um, and she's very much, even though she was exposed and her some of her top people were exposed to, I say she, but you know I'm using that loosely. Um, they have a male <laughs> president, and so. Um, but yeah, they, uh, he was exposed to various, he was exposed to his high deputies had Corona virus, um, including when they went to go meet with Trump at Mar-a-Lago back in either sometime in March, I think, or maybe even in February. And, um, but he's basically a coronavirus denier in terms of the effects of it on his country, even though there's, you know, thousands of people sick in and many dying. And, um, he wants to open back up. Who does that sound like? <laughs> Who does that sound like? Liberate the states, right? He wants well, it to open back. And he's actually getting pushback from his, from even those in his own party who are governors within his country. Yeah, like essentially the heads of like, like what would be like the heads of the state, like the head of like, you know, this, you know, where Sao Paulo is and where um, Rio de Janeiro is. Um, the Yeah, he's getting a lot of pushback. But the weird thing is, I don't even know if we should call it that he wants to open back up. It's like he doesn't want to close down even, like... You oh, know, right, or even close it down. Right now, I yeah. think technically yeah. they are still kind of open, and I think some of the state I, and some of the like yeah. major cities are kind of pushing a more, um, more restrictions. But he doesn't want he doesn't want their economy to stop, um, and I think right. there's a, there's a big right. piece so, there about like I mean we talk about capitalism and all that it's a whole nother thing, but there's a big piece here with like the big thing people don't want and they don't want here is like don't mess with the economy, especially with Brazil is kind of standing out as like one of the South American countries that I think has been doing really well, you know, with Venezuela kind of going through a whole bunch of <laughs> shit, you know, Brazil is kind right. of, you know, the big thing that's helping them when they are kind of put in this block, there was like this idea of this brick block of like Brazil, Russia, India, and China's like, these are the, you know, really developing in the future um, the next, you know, major economies are really developing, and Brazil being really one of those, I'm sure he doesn't want to slow that down. He doesn't want anything to mess with that. So, I mean, in Brazil's economy, economy does fluctuate a lot, but I think that um, one thing that's interesting in, in the context of anti-blackness, I think um, really what he's saying when he wants to keep things open and not close things down, that's really a form of anti-blackness mm. in this way. The densest neighborhoods, the densest parts of those major cities, Rio de Janeiro, Sao Paulo, etc., the densest parts of those cities are favelas, right, which house a number of poor black and brown people. They're most at risk for coronavirus just because of, like, the density of the living situations in those areas. So what's interesting, too, is that... um, so because the authorities are not really enforcing quarantine and in the favelas, the drug gangs in some of the favelas have actually taken over the job of wow. enforcing quarantine to keep the favelas safe That's wild. in Brazil, you know, because the state won't protect them as black and brown and poor people. And so even, you know, even kind of relating this to anti-blackness globally, I mean, the Brazil, the Brazilian president has a, history of bigotry and mm. i just think his his the way he's acting now is an extension mm. of 
his beliefs and even a form, like I said, of anti-black mm, of really letting letting a certain group of people die just for the greater good of like of the, the small group, of for the of economy. a different class of people. Because um, exactly. really, the economy doesn't. Exactly. You know, economy. That's my thing with capitalism. Like the economy doesn't benefit all girls equally. It really doesn't. Um, and you see that here. You right. see who's really suffering here. Um, now, we're, it's, it's definitely something we're gonna keep an eye on because we were thinking about taking a little trip to Brazil <laughs> for New Year's yes, Eve. Yes, we were um, for New Year's Eve. I'm not sure that's still gonna happen. <laughs> oh, well, obviously. I mean. <laughs> No, it's not happening. Not with okay. my Okay, you're least. like, I'm not going. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going, well, no. But I know I was the main one pushing yes, that one time. Yes, so, You were ready yeah. to go. Mm. And kind of staying in South America, Miss um, Malachi, just tell us, you know, we did go to Colombia at the new year coming mm. into 2020. And um, it was interesting because it was like, it was a, a different experience for you unrelated to corona but it just did you feel did did you feel like you had any kind of anti-blackness experience when you were in it's Columbia? weird because i don't know i don't know what it was honestly i felt it felt it felt different <laughs> i'll say that it felt different and it definitely right. felt because the weird thing is we were on a trip so when we went to Columbia, we were on a trip with it was all us we were on a trip with black queens so we were all black queens now i was the darkest right. out of all of us um so they're about five of us and I was the darkest and I also have like longer um, right now my hair is longer and it's more like a big afro um, so there's that you know setting that I need to establish you know that framework that I need to establish but there were just a lot of moments where I felt like my boundaries weren't respected and I felt really like an intense scrutiny and it happened so we were went to Medellin which, where Shakira is from <laughs> And and I was hoping we would see Shakira on Maluma because apparently he lives there too. But that didn't happen. So just another mm-hmm. reason. That's that another happen, reason. Yeah. You know, I didn't love that trip. Um, and then Cartagena, which is more on the coast, which is a completely different experience. So when you're thinking about Medellin, it's in the valley. Uh, it's in this beautiful valley, and it, it is a beautiful city. I think that's one of the things you really liked about it as well, girl. Right? That yeah. Oh yeah, I love that. It's um, really scenic is beautiful and urban. Yeah, at the same but if you time. think about Colombia, you know, Colombia has um, its own kind of, you know, issues of anti-blackness and colorism, where lighter Colombians who technically are more white presenting um, are, and I don't know if they have more, they probably do have more Spanish connections. They are treated better versus you know the darker African Colum- Afro-Colombians who were brought in to work a lot of the mines and. Um, do a lot of mining and industrial work that was more in like south um, in South Colombia aren't treated as well as well and Cartagena which is like their coastal city obviously a port city that's probably where a lot of the fam was coming in um, you know there are it was so interesting there's like this downtown part to Cartagena but then there's these other areas um, that are these more completely black spaces and you know towns that for a long time were either not recognized or were not given the same level of support really until even you know one place in particular called Palenque um, which is like the first free um, African state in the Americas didn't even get that recognition of you know kind of being its own um, you know its own entity separate from you know the normal or the rest of Colombia until like Obama was coming to visit um, which you know in yeah. 2012, in his, you know, in his, in the last year of his first term, when the when the America Summit was in Colombia, and that's when Palenque finally got the title to their land, which the Colombian government was holding from them because they were the first free black for settlement decades, in the Americas. For and decades, so they, yeah, for decades they've been holding that from them. So not until President Obama came mm. did on, they Obama. even give that. Obama, to Obama, them. Obama, ew, Obama. <laughs> oh, I was yeah. missing him. Uh, so, so that's kind of just an idea of like what you know is going where, what's kind of happen, you know, what kind of space we were going into, and I didn't have all that information, but like there was just a couple moments that were just different and weird. Whether it was in like Medellin, just you know, already because of everything, the turmoil in Venezuela, just a lot of people on the street, a lot of people you know, wanting to sell things and 
just not from, from Venezuela. Venezuela. Uh, a lot of them, some from some from Colombia, but many yeah. from Venezuela. Um, so yeah. just getting like a lot of attention in that respect. Um, but there was just this moment that I know we <laughs> we had where we had gone to um, a different neighbor. I don't know what. Um, I think it's called a Calle Thirteen, are, or it was the area yeah, that Pablo so, Escobar controlled. Yeah. What is it? So I think it was I think it was called like yeah, District Thirteen yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so we had gone there to check it out because there's some really amazing um, graffiti uh, there that you can look at. Commuter Thirteen, I think. Um, oh, Commuter Thirteen. So we had gone to check it out, and all of a sudden, this little boy starts <laughs> like first he asks like, "Do we need a tour? You know, you need a tour guide?" And I was like, "No, girl, we're good." Um, and first of all, I shouldn't ask her to English because that was the thing. It's like they know you speak English and they really want to try and engage with you. Uh, well, actually, actually, I think I was asking in Spanish. So that that was my real tea. It was like I was answering in Spanish. So it's like kind of could understand that. And then, um, you know, then he really wanted to like that was just enough. But even just that response was enough for him. So he proceeded to then, you know, follow me up a hill, which somewhere, you know, girl, I don't think you were you had disappeared, I think, for whatever <laughs> I didn't, I didn't disappear, but for whatever reason, he was so focused on you. He, that little boy, was so focused on you and harassing you. He didn't. Even he, well, yeah, pay me any yeah. Attention. It was just so wild to be, like, he just wanted to talk to me. And I was like, "Girl, I don't need no tour. Like, oh, we're fine." And he literally just wanted to keep talking to me, and he like put on this whole kind of like effeminate acting. And he's like, "Oh, are you gay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, girl. What? what okay. Yes. Thank you. Uh, okay. And I'm fine. Bye." Um, and literally followed me like a 10 minute walk up a hill to keep trying to talk to me. Keep up trying a to, steep <laughs> hill, yeah, to keep talking. Yeah. And I'm literally looking around and there are tons of tourists all around, especially a lot of white tourists. I'm like, if you are trying to get some money, if you're trying, cause that's the main thing is a lot of times they do want to like offer you help and things like that because they're hoping to get some money out of it. But I had said, you know, no dinero, no money. I have nothing for you. And he still just wanted to engage in me. And I don't know if that was because he wasn't used to seeing someone of my complexion kind of being in his neighborhood or if that was just seeing an out gay person. Because I'm also being the darkest. I'm probably more the most effeminate out of our group of friends that were there. Uh, or what? I mean, he was just... I, or your your, co- your, co- your clothes were a little more colorful. I don't, I don't colorfully, even know. You know, as you could tell from my, right. my cover art I like to go for a look but he wasn't paying me any attention he was he was so focused on yeah. it was just it was interesting and that yeah. was just and that just happened it, oh and that so he was one but that just happened over where it just felt like for whatever reason because some of my friends I think were a bit lighter in some ways I stood out a bit more and got a lot more attention and it wasn't always like bad but it was just uncomfortable to the point where it's like almost like what are you doing here why are you in these spaces um like even when we were like in the club nothing happened when we went to like a gay club like and this was in cartagena so we're already in technically a black environment but i don't think the afro-colombians go to those kind of spaces where we were in cartagena and like their main downtown hub so we're just in this club and i look around and there's like no one but you know white colombians um and it was just i don't know it was just a weird thing what do you what do you think was going on there girl yeah i think i just think that the maybe the segregation and the lines of separation are so heavy in colombia based on our experiences um that um it was just i think it was like a placement thing like oh you're you know it's like you are new to this mm. space or you're you know I think so. I think there is a little bit of. I thought. I think there definitely was some anti-blackness to it. Yeah. Or I can't. I can't call it. But I think it was just. It just felt. You know. Interesting. It was just interesting. I don't think. Uh, I don't think. I'm not sure if you were with us when we had dinner one night. We were at this really, really cute um, tapas place in Cartagena, and. I, th- I think you weren't there with us, and we stroke up the yeah. yeah I think we I stroke up this that. conversation with that. this woman next to us, who she was a white Colombian, um, and her boyfriend. They're that they actually both from the states. Her boyfriend, I think they maybe married her together. I don't know. Uh, and her boyfriend was a white guy from the Bay. They were lived in the Bay, um, so he of course worked for some terrible tech company. Um, and they just wanted to strike up a conversation with us and want to know, you know, how we enjoy Colombia, what we're we doing here. And, of course, one of our friends who's just a bit more of a gabber was just really going in about, like, oh, yeah, we got all these clubs to go to and this and that. 
and she was really taken aback. She's like, oh, there's there's gay clubs here? Where? And I was like, girl, don't worry about it. <laughs> but not only was she surprised about that, we mentioned that we had, this was, I think, the day, either the day or the day after, that we'd gone to Palenque. And she was like, oh, you didn't stay there overnight, did you? Like, really worried about us. And I was like, girl, no, we didn't stay there overnight. Like, we just went to visit. Like, what are you afraid of? Uh, and it just, I think it was like a really good indicator of the kind of tension that's there between the different type of Colombians. Um, and just a reminder, Palenque was that, that yeah, free black settlement yeah. we talked about that we toured on that day and when we were in Cart- near Cartagena. Yeah, it was, so that, that was an interesting conversation um, that then ultimately ended with her boyfriend thinking your, um, one of your friends um, reminded him of another black person he worked with, which is always nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but so I mean, we've talked extensively about South America. Obviously, there's an anti-blackness issue there, and even now, it's interesting because, um, you know, even migrating over to Italy, which was another source of the coronavirus crisis, um, you know, anti-blackness has been an issue in Italy for uh, some years now because of you know African migration from northern um, and sub-Saharan Africa into Italy. Um, and so there's there's been a lot of anti-immigrant, anti-black mm. rhetoric in Italy. And it's interesting, though, because a lot of that has shifted with coronavirus into anti-Asian sentiments, uh, anti-Asian sentiment in Italy. And so um, it's just an interesting shift in kind of the racism in Italy. Um, they've had a lot of, you know, backlash to. In fact, it's interesting because um, people don't know this, but around the Milan area and around Florence, too. A lot of textile and leathers fa- or leather factories um, were actually purchased by Chinese companies uh, within the last maybe five to mm. ten years. And so what a lot of those companies did is they actually brought Chinese labor with them from China to Italy. In some cases, these factories were closed, so they were restarting them. And so there's actually a lot of Chinese migrants or immigrants in Italy in the northern towns around Milan, around Florence to some degree. And, of course, um, where the coronavirus started within Italy is in those towns around Milan, in Lombardy, in northern Italy. Um, And there was probably a lot of uh, travel among the Chinese workers back and forth to China around the New Year and then the Lunar New Year in January. Right, and that's right when things really started popping off, huh? Right. So, of course, now there's anti-Asian sentiment in in Italy because of that because you know that was probably um and actually cuz coronavirus broke out in those small towns first those small uh mm-hmm. textile manufacturing and leather leather factory towns around Milan rather than in the city itself so then you had New yeah, York you've been wondering why like the Milan- why is it out there and like not in the major cities like not in like the Milan and the- exactly yeah. Exactly, but then of course it made its way to the to Milan and to surrounding other Italian cities, and then of course there was New York Fashion Week in early February, where a lot of people from Europe and particularly Northern Italy and the in you know the Milan Fashionista come to New York, and then you had Milan Fashion Week towards the middle and end of February, where a lot of people from New York and Paris and London and elsewhere came to Milan, and then went back into coronavirus to those places, in particular New York. So New York. Yeah, so like in New York, you know, they've traced it. It's primarily uh, the virus there in New York is primarily of European origin. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is probably related to the fashion industry and fashion week and business travel to and from Europe and leisure travel to and from Europe. But it's just kind of interesting to see, like, all these years I've been reading stories in Europe, you know, on BBC and and European news outlets about anti-blackness in Italy and them wanting to stop migration and wanting the EU to, you know, come in and stop and stop immigration into Europe from Africa and now all of a sudden the racism has shifted to anti-Asian sentiment which of course is still unwarranted but you know it's just an interesting it's interesting well, to see that shift. I, you know I'm sure I'm sure they still have some of those feelings of anti-blackness as well maybe they'll get back to it oh I'm sure <laughs> you, know, you know I'm sure and I'm sure and now even interestingly enough in China which of course is the Ooh, source of China. the global let's talk about coronavirus outbreak of course, that's where it was, you know, or originated and it was, you know, exported around the world from China. Ooh. I mean, um, this, this really messed me up. This stuff, it, I know you're, you're going to, 
I should I know I should let you like you know do the you know do the explanation but it's just like oh no, go I ahead, just go ahead. It, I just wanted to say like it messed me up because it's just like it's just an indication of like wow just always looking to you just trying wanting to play both both be you know playing the villain but wanting to be the victim um I mean you you should talk about what they did like what happened there yeah so it's so interesting because China of course um has has tried to after you know some mishaps early on with containing coronavirus some major mishaps because they of um, course care about that trying, economy want to keep want her to open exactly, up exactly and they wanted to keep possible. it they were silencing whistleblowers around this viral outbreak I mean that which is a part which travel. to be fair is a part of the reason why it probably got so bad is because you know China likes to have that stranglehold over media and over dissension over rhetoric exactly and then people were like actually yeah, no there's something press. really bad going on here especially the officials in that area it's very much about I mean this is a bit about Asian culture but not to go too deep but it's very much about like appearances and about you know wanting to show that everything's okay everything's going fine and when it wasn't there was no one there was no one to kind of you know broach consent dissent or to say something different and before you know it it got out of hand oh the local authorities tried to stop people who were, they were arrest- they- uh, writing about it on on we- yeah. Weibo, I think, which is one of the- WeChat and uh, Weibo, which are two of their major social media outlets. Because you know, Twitter, Facebook, right. and Instagram are blocked in China, and they silenced. I mean, them, there was like a there was like them, a journalist doctors. who was like literally putting out, sending his video out to people. Like literally, he was getting a like he sent a video. Or he showed live how he was the police were coming to arrest him. To while he was like wearing a mask, trying to get the word out that this has gotten out of control and we need help. And one of those whistleblower doctors in Wuhan actually died. I, they say it's from coronavirus. Well, you know, I, I guess we'll have to take their their word for it. But um, yeah, it was just okay. you know it was really tragic. And so what's interesting is that you know, but forty six thousand people left between the time that coronavirus was first identified in late fall through January twenty third mm. when China instituted a travel ban for people from Wuhan twenty. Or I'm sorry, 46,000 people left Wuhan and traveled abroad to places mostly regionally in Asia, but also landed in San Francisco, landed in New York, mm. landed in Los Angeles, uh, especially landed in Italy, of course. So, that, of course, that's, you know, one source of the potential outbreak there. And um, before, because China didn't institute a travel ban until January 23rd for people from Wuhan, which is the center of the outbreak. Then, of course, Ms. DJT, Ms. Donald J. Trump, she takes credit for instituting a travel ban from China, but she didn't do that until January 31st. She loves so, taking credit. You know, all she the people from, credit. So 46,000 people from Wuhan, the center of the outbreak, had already traveled globally, including to the United States. So you had, and, and already in Seattle, they had a case on January 20th. So from Wuhan. So I'm just saying it wasn't, it was ineffectiveness, incompetence yeah. all around from China de- all the way to Miss DJT and in some of the European countries. But, that really isn't what the core issue is what we're talking yeah, about here. Yeah, because, like, that that's totally a fair point. But then it's like, you know, they did get control of it. But now it's like how they're handling it going forward with, you know, how they're treating certain people. And when we say they, we mean yes. China. The yeah. China, the yeah, China we, got control. We don't, we don't really have, you know, they have very, we're, we don't, we don't have, have any control here. <laughs> as you just heard earlier from the girls protesting. Um, but... But China got control of their virus, but of course now, so they got control of it domestically because they have authoritarian policies. They can really force. They can do a real lockdown, bitch. A like they can do real lockdown. Where you go out, you don't want to disappear, do you? (laughs) Exactly. So you know they had they had monitors in the street, you know, monitoring people, and they had uh, loudspeakers in the street telling people to stay home and admonishing people for not for leaving home so they they had real lockdown but here's the deal they got control of their virus and then they you know with travel beginning again in china the the cases started to be imported so they were coming Mm -hmm. from international flights and what happened was i guess someone of african descent now there's a community in guangdong the province of guangdong china in southern china not far from hong kong in the area around shenzhen um in the province of Guangdong. And so there's an area around there called Chocolate City, which it's nicknamed Chocolate City, where they have a lot of African um, yeah, merchants who come from me. Africa like, and do trading. Living in China. 
I learned that when I went in 2012. Really? And there was actually a woman from Ghana sitting behind me. I went to Hong Kong in 2012. And, and usually when people go, a lot of times when people go to that part of China, Guangdong, Shenzhen, they fly into Hong Kong because it's just across like a bridge mm. from that area. Um, and so she was flying from the United States, actually, from Detroit to Hong Kong. And she was sitting behind me on the plane, and I learned about it. And then I learned more about it when I got to Hong Kong. And so it was interesting. But that's been going on for, you know, a mm. decade or more now. Uh, these chi- uh, Because, of course, there's a lot of Chinese business interest in Africa. And now, of course, there's a lot of uh, African migration right. and merchants in China doing business right. there, right? And 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 importing things back to Africa, yeah. et cetera, right? To uh, various parts of Africa, mostly West Africa. And so... I guess one one person of African descent tested positive, and so immediately in China they start you know especially in this in the southern province of Guangdong, they start kicking Africans out of their hotel rooms. They start kicking them kicking out African of their people home, of African descent, honey. After their, their homes, homes their and businesses. Not, McDonald's, there's a McDonald's in China and other restaurants wouldn't allow people to And just literally just straight up in. saying, and this is that moment where you're like, oh, you can like argue like, oh, I'm African, I'm this African-American, I'm this Caribbean, all these things about diaspora. They just said, we don't want no black people. You're black. Capital we don't want B, no black, black people. Don't come in this McDonald's. Yes. Anti-blackness in China. And so they're scapegoating people of African descent for a virus that originated mm-hmm. in China. In China. You know, and so it was just, and so how are you going to escape go black people? Where did this virus come from again? But it's in just Wuhan, so China, wild right? how, and I guess, you know, we're not fully in that type of <laughs> environment yet, but it's just so to see people just literally just the rhetoric. Well, I mean, I guess I can't talk. Girls are out here taking bleach. and <laughs> But it took me back how quickly people seem to forget where this virus came from and that they literally just found someone to blame. And without evidence, they were testing these people and they literally were, so many of these people from these communities were not, were negative and they were still, were you know, negative. landlords were encouraged right. to kick people out, kick out families. Pre- like there was a pregnant woman that, you know, someone went to the hospital, a pregnant woman went to the hospital and she couldn't get service. Like, you know, it got, it was getting, like people are sleeping under bridges, people are sleeping on the street, in the rain, who have businesses, who have jobs, but literally exactly. are not, basically like can't go anywhere, are getting dirty looks on the street from everyone. And it's like, it was, it's gotten so bad that like literally not only of all people, the state, the U.S. was like, hey, y'all, <laughs> like sending out war days. Like when the, when the U.S. is telling you that you're being too racist to black people, you really are doing the most. Then we have a problem. Um, yeah. Then you have a real problem. And so it's interesting because it's part of China's Belt and Road Initiative um, and their demand for raw materials. Of course, China has been building a lot of business relationships and opening factories and building infrastructure. So that, yeah, that was completely new. In, in that Africa. That was new for me is to understand that, you know, how big of a trading a trading partner and a relationship China has with Africa and how important they are to them in terms of, you know, helping to continue to, like, push their economy forward. That Yeah, they started that initiative, but it looks like even before that, like, when the uh oh my god i have to get this right okay is it democracy or the republic let's see the democracy is taiwan right can we do that uh taiwan is a de- i think I taiwan get, is a democracy i believe names, so right oh the republic of china is taiwan the it's the of republic china of china taiwan and yeah. then the party that is in charge of china now the, the people's <laughs> republic right, of china the is china. Of china so the Republic of China's right. Taiwan, and then what? It's the, the but the Chinese Communist right. Party is completely so when they in charge. Came it's not it's, to power. One of the early things they did, which I thought was really interesting, was that they did a lot of, you know, diplomacy work with Africa to kind of build up their standing and their relationship with them, and that kind of set the footings for some of the initiatives that they're doing now to, you know, build up the infrastructure and make investments in in Africa and different um, parts of Africa, mostly West Africa. But the goal is the Mm. raw materials. I mean, they're in Africa for the raw materials, for the things that build technology, for the things that build our phones and our computers and, you know, those... Everything that uh, gets made from China, made in China, they need the materials in Africa. Exactly. The the raw materials, many of them come from Africa for, you know, for the silicon Mm. chips and for the... 
for the various technology that we use. Um, so, of course, that's what China's after. And um, so it's not out of any oh, humanitarian no, no, purposes no. that are there no. in Africa. So it's, in most cases, it's an, often an exploitive relationship. But here's the thing. And, and, and many African leaders in African countries were okay with that up until now when they found out about how people of African descent were being treated Ooh. in China. Nigeria. Some of them Ghanians. were considering... Kenyans. Some Some were considering deporting... Chinese people back to China from their countries. There's huge Chinese settlements in some of these countries in, you know, in Nigeria, mm-hmm. in Ghana, in Namibia. And as retaliation for how black people are being treated in I China. Mean, like, and I actually, I actually was up for that because I'm like, how, how is China going to be able to promote anti-blackness within its country and, and then get away with being present in all these African countries, send them back. Now, but the thing we have to realize is, like, Africa's not a monolith, right? Um, it's so right, like, And right. I think the response has been, the thing that actually has been a little, just because it's almost a thing that kind of reminds me of how our politics work, is ultimately it comes down to money. And seeing how there was all that outrage and just social media, and literally, like, there's this big moment that was going around where it had the um, Speaker of the House, I think, for Nigeria... Um, speaking to the, the, their ambassador in China and ultimately like calling him out being like, what is going on here? Like, you y'all need to fix this. Uh, and then how the, the machine, the China, you know, the machine, China's machine went into spin immediately. Oh, no, it's just the U.S. It's just the West making it much bigger. Uh, it's not that bad. And never really apologizing for it. Because of course these were Western media course, outlets reporting this anti-blackness in China, um, right? You know, despite the fact that there's literally people. I mean, it's video. Like, who cares who's reporting on it? I'm looking at a video from the country <laughs> with the people sleeping under a bridge are the McDonald's sign. So it's like, where? How did they? I'm sorry. Did we just make up this picture of this grimy? Window? Yeah, it's not. They didn't. These media outlets did <laughs> right. not make this up. This is this uh, really happened. But so seeing that they did, went not only went to that spin, but they then went to, and this is where that kind of like Belt and Road Initiative and just a lot of the what they basically have been doing is like creating this relationship where they're, you know, a lot of these African states are becoming are going in, into debt, like basically going into debt to China. Uh, China has the like, reins on their debt around a lot of these investments and these infrastructure projects. And this is the moment where they get to kind of wield that power to go to them and say, hey, let's tone this down a bit. Like, we'll deal with it. But, you know, this is not verbatim. <laughs> but this is the feeling I get. It's like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of then conversations that happen and deployments that happen. Because a lot of that, despite all that outrage, everything's kind of quieted down now. Like, it feels, and maybe not for all of the African countries. Like, definitely, I bet there is, I mean, it's interesting because there are some African countries, and I'll put the article in there, like um, the Congo and certain places um, and Mauritius who are never don't really do anything with China and like are not involved with these initiatives and partly some of them it's because they have a relationship with Taiwan where they recognize Taiwan and you know that is a deal breaker girl like don't recognize Miss Taiwan right. in front of China um, and some of it's just like we just don't fuck with her so some of them it'd be interesting to see because they see how China right, is building right. exploitive relationships with these other countries getting some of them in the debt even right. outside of Africa like a Sri but, Lanka and it's part of, and yeah. so they don't want any so, part But the of ones that, that have been you know? really involved and who are, right now their citizens are being hurt, like Nigeria, Kenya, Ghana, like they are, it's interesting to see how like they're a bit quieter now. And it's this thing where like on the government level, they're not kind of have a team to like rein in some of their rhetoric. Like that speaker did, or no, not speaker, the foreign um, minister in Nigeria did go meet with the ambassador again to kind of say things don't seem like they're getting soft yet. But that's still not good enough because like it's that the, it's the same thing over here where like the people the people our age over in those countries they're over it they're seeing this video and i think that's the thing that china um our chinese officials i shouldn't say you know talk about the whole country at large understated was like how big this was looking on social media because they don't really be paying t- or they don't realize the effects of that and like those citizens that are seeing this happen to people they're like no, we are done. Like, go get a plane to bring them back. Like, get them out of there. Like, we're done right. with it. And there are the people who are living there, actually, some of them are over it. Like, they're done. Like, people who live there four, five, a decade are like, they're done. Because it's like, you're, you went from right. living as part of this community to now you're on the street. Because what? You need a new state. But I had read I had read articles prior to, you know, this coronavirus situation where they were still being discriminated against in China and not really? being treated especially well, but they weren't being necessarily that, kicked like, out of their homes and hotels about. and whatnot. What is, 
Is it just it's just it's just yeah, that it's same just, old uh, anti-blackness they, girl? They, <laughs> exactly. They would have racist nicknames for them, or even naming the neighborhood that a lot of yeah, them live I in mean, is Chocolate hey. City, and you know, and it was just it was just. But of course, like the terms that the Chinese use, some of the what they call. Uh, what they would call them was the equivalent yeah. of the N-word in, in regular conversation. So there's been a lot of anti-blackness in China even prior to this. This was just an excuse to scapegoat, you know, black Africans in China for a virus that originated there in China for whatever reason. Yeah, and I think so, there's like, you know, I would love to have someone on, you know, not like a, like a token Asian, not like a token Asian, but like have someone on to kind of like, because I think like Asia and like thinking about China and Japan and Korea, the, and especially when you're living there as black, um, I think like having even someone on who's like black in one of those places is just really interesting. Cause I think when you're in those kind of uniform cultures, uniform environment, and it, yes, China is not complete uniform because as we um, also have seen how they've been treating Muslims, like they really just treat anyone right. who they see as different or unlike them. Um, not Han mm-hmm. Chinese, not the predominant, you know, either Buddhist or atheist religions. Like, yeah. yeah, I think it it's difference that they want uniformity for cult. They want cultural uniformity because that's how they can retain power. But it's that thing where like, but you I've heard, you know, like, you know, not to go all like back in the day when like, like Silk Road times and all these things where like China was so much, and a lot of the Asian countries were so much more closed off. But it's like now we are a globalized world, we're a globalized economy. And it's like, you can't have your global cake, you know, like you're trying to have both. Like you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. Like you can't have exactly. your like you know, uniform, one society, and then engage with a wider world. And, like, this is, I feel like this is that breakdown. It's that thing that I think about a lot where just racism. Because China surpassed Germany is the world's largest exporter. Mm. They're trying to have all this economic power and might within these countries around the world, you know, giving loans out and also, um, and also, like, doing these trading relationships and also exerting some soft power around the world, right? But that soft power, like, that soft power, you know, this is that moment, right? Where that soft power then comes up against what's happening at home and how you actually treat people. And there's that friction. I don't think, I personally, I don't think it's sustainable um, because it's like, well, I can, you're saying one thing to me. Yeah, you're helping build our infrastructure, build our roles, um, you know, fix this bottleneck that Africa has been dealing with, partly because of imperialism from Europe. Um, and at the same time, look at how you're treating our citizens. Look at how you're treating people who look like me. Um, so do I really believe you? Um, but right, that's right. me kind of being a bit more of a moral, ethical girl. And at the end of the day, we know we're a bit more of a economical capitalist kind of world so. exactly exactly and so and in another episode we'll definitely tie this back to you know asian american community here in the united states and anti-blackness there and how do we reconcile mm. kind of what's going on the, the anti-asian discrimination here in the united states and also the anti-blackness within that asian american community here in the united states so so now miss malachi let's go ahead and go to some listener mail <laughs> Which we don't have any of yet. Um, so please help us out with that. Send us questions, comments. Tell us what you think about the episode or the show. Um, even your stories from quarantine to ask them, A-S-K-T-H-E-M, at twosavedqueens.com. You know, and you can tell a hoe what you really think about us. We can handle it. We really can. For sure. For sure. We're not afraid. We're not scared. <laughs> um so now I think we can go to thoughts and prayers. Um, we're coming toward the end of our show. And it's a little section that we kind of came up with to kind of end the show on. And I think, Ms. Deborah, you had something on your mind, um, something that you need to get off your chest, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'll start us off. I, I really want to pray for all the black victims of COVID-19. And I did I did say that, black victims. Uh, we were told by a certain conspiracy theorist online that we couldn't get coronavirus, and lo and behold, we are overrepresented among COVID-19 deaths and illnesses in every major American epicenter of the outbreak. New York, Detroit, New Orleans, Los Angeles, Chicago. And I want to pray that we get rid of this Nazi president, I said a Nazi president, an administration in November who took black people, or who told black people rather, what do you have to lose? Okay, when he said, what do you have to lose by voting for him in 2016? Now we see very concretely what we had to lose in that election. And more importantly, what 
our lives, our lives, and what we have to lose in his re-election. So hopefully a new president will allow us to begin the collective healing process in November. Amen. Ooh, I don't think I have anything. I think that's it. We did that. <laughs> oh, man. So I think that's our show for today. Uh, thank you, as always, for spending a little time with us. Uh, not that y'all are super busy right now, <laughs> or most of us, <laughs> but we still appreciate it. Especially, you know, just starting out um, that you found our way here, and hopefully, you enjoy uh, listening to us as much as we enjoy doing this. You're also welcome to find us on social media. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Two Saved Queens. Um, please make sure to like, share, subscribe. Uh, if you see a hoe, tell a hoe. <laughs> um, <laughs> it'll all help us out. Um, also, don't forget to rate us on iTunes, um, no matter what you rate it. Um, if you put a comment, we may even read it on the show. Like I said, we ain't scared of you hoes. Uh, um, thank you, Miss Deborah, for joining me. Um, we did it again, sis. <laughs> we sure did. We sure did, girl. Uh, with that, we'll see you next week. But before we go, do you have some final word to leave the children with? Yeah, I want to give a final word, a final blessing. Just stay safe, everyone. Use those masks. Use those gloves. Use those condoms. Use that prep. You know, stay safe in every way possible. <laughs> All right, y'all. <laughs>